Welcome to the Paperclip Podcast, and we are presented by BSDA. We have one clear goal, help you to become bigger. I'm your host, Brett Stone, and this is episode 13, and it's called Fundamentals. Now, whether you're a regular listener of the show or somebody that's listening for the first time, uh, I just want to let you know that you are appreciated. Um, we would love uh, our audience. Uh, great questions and, and um, you know, really, really um, fun audience. So um, thank you for, for becoming part of that. And on today's show, we're, we're going to talk about fundamentals. So um, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about what it means to... Um, you know, to, to try and advertise or, or do marketing before you've got a, a couple of key questions answered. And I'm going to give you those questions. So these are questions that you can ask yourself. And this doesn't apply to people only sort of at the first step or, you know, just thinking about it. This could be so, you know, questions that you ask yourself. You'd ask them annually, um, uh, essentially, to make sure that you're still on track. And if you haven't asked these questions of yourself before, uh, it's a really great opportunity to, to do so. Um, our very special guest on the show today is Jeremy Dart from DB Bookbinders. How are you, Jeremy? Very, very well. A little warm. It's uh, quite surprising how sunny it is in Melbourne today. That's very true. We're coming to the, the end of winter and uh, spring's only a couple of weeks away. So we keep getting these little, these little tastes of spring every now and again where the sun... If you're sitting in the sun right now... So for those that are just listening for the first time, we record this podcast in essentially a glass box that faces the street, um, a little bit like the Today Show, I, I guess. And <laughs> Very much like the Today Show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's people just gathered around the front window. Like this guy, how you going? Yep, look the other way. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> that worked well. So for those that don't know, it's a glass box, a box and the sun sits right over our, our guest's shoulder and directly into my eyes, typically. So today, those that are, that are watching the podcast live on Facebook... Um, we'll see that Jeremy and I are both wearing uh, sunglasses today because we've. Uh, uh, Jeremy was very smart and brought his. I've often I'm not uh, a fan of the sun in my eyes. Yeah, that's right. I've often thought about bringing them, but uh, I, I always thought that it was a, a disengaging tool. But I've thrown caution to the wind today and strapped on the glasses. So Jeremy is our very special guest, and then as always, we will wrap up the show with uh, the quote of the show. Um, which is a, uh, it's a very, usually I, I try to, you know, bring something a little bit funny, but I think today's one is uh, a nice reminder of uh, what advertising is really all about. So let's talk about fundamentals. So all too often people dive into advertising or marketing their business um, before answering some fairly important, or I would say very important questions. And I'd be really interested to, to get your take on these as well. I know I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here, Jeremy, but That's okay. um, if you've got something to, to add, I'd, you know, obviously welcome it. Sure. Um, so the, these four questions, now this originally was actually a list of three questions that, that I typically start uh, most of my workshops and um, uh, sort of coaching sessions with, with clients. Um, I'll start with these three questions. And the fourth one is something that I've added today as a result of uh, something that one of our podcast guests um, has previously talked a lot about as well. So the first question is, who is your audience? And I think this is, this is a really, really, really important question um, to know or to, to be able to answer because ultimately when you're talking about who your audience is or uh, whether or not 
you know, it's essentially going to, to guide you as to if you're doing any advertising or marketing, where those people might be, what they look like, how old they are, are they male or female, what kind of interests or um, behaviours do they have, um, all those kind of things. And, and it makes doing things like advertising in places like Facebook and Google and um, LinkedIn and all kinds of places really um, a lot easier for you. Yeah. Answering those questions will really, really help. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so the second question is, what do you do? And I'll very these, quickly... These are really hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the, I, I will follow that up very quickly with the third question, which is, what do you sell? And the reason that I follow that so quickly is that it's really important that you understand the difference between those two questions. So if I was talking about your business, Jeremy, mm. I would, the way that, and you can correct me, I, I would love you to correct me if I'm wrong. Oh, the oh. end. <laughs> sorry, sorry, keep going. The, uh, so what do you do? I would say that you are a binder of books, you restore um, old books back to their you know, new glory, and um, you essentially help to, it's a bit like having a, um, a time capsule all the time. You know, yeah. by having, you know, like a thesis from when you're at university mm. or, um, you know, f important family history or memories and all these things are bound into a book. I would say that you you do that. You are the, the physical bookbinder. You are the maker of these books. Yeah. And then what you sell is the, um, the, the concept of being able to keep things forever. Yeah, well, that's that's a, a really good. Uh, I think the differentiation between what you do and what you sell is really is really crucial because, like you said, the the practical way that we do our work is what we actually do. So when people ask me what I do, I always say I'm a bookbinder. Mm -hmm. But the fact is, what we're selling is is fundamentally very very different. We're, we're, I would actually say you almost you almost got it almost mm -hmm. right. Um, the way I'd articulate it is that we sell an experience. We sell an experience of being able to encapsulate information mm -hmm. and present it in the way that the client wants. So we, 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 we make a product, as in what we do is make a product, but we sell a service. Yeah, that's um, right. And so it, it's a little bit different to other businesses, but mm. effectively there, there are two very, very different things that we do. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's great. I'm, I'm actually really, um, really pleased that you... Uh, you know, following saying those are really hard questions, oh, and then yeah. being able to like nail it. So, <laughs> I'm not saying they're so hard; they're really they're really profound. I don't think one of the things that I've challenged until I, I met you mm -hmm. um, and started to do some work with you, I was really struggling with understanding. Uh, you know what our business is and, mm -hmm. and what it does and what it sells. You yeah. know, um, because those, uh, or even to the point who our customer is, because we have realistically we have so many different avenues that we could go down you know if not a lot of people think about it but the way that we make a book is the way we can make a box or a, a folder or a menu cover or a, a photo album and and all of them are kind of books but they're not and then we can do flip charts and we can do you know all sorts of presentations so trying to determine who our target audience is it needs to be um it was really, really hard to answer that at the beginning. Mm. But after a little bit of unraveling, it takes, it's really, really deep questions. Um, yeah. and, and they make it so much more crystallized and so much easier to then hone exactly what you do. So, mm. 
and answer the questions. So, yeah. And so the, this, is, this is the fourth question, and I think it's a really great question. Um, so the, the credit for this is to Cameron Lees, and his question is, where is your first dollar coming from? So a lot of people will start a business because, you know, in their minds or in their circle of friends or family, they've said, that's a really great idea, that could be a business. And, or it might be a case where you've thought about it and you go, that's a great idea for a business. But if you don't know where that first dollar's coming from, you don't have a business. Mm. You've got a hobby. You've got an interest. That you, would be the hardest question of all. I yeah. That's, it really is, because you're absolutely right. If you don't, if you, all the planning in the world is fine and all of the articulation of who your customer is, but if you don't know where that dollar's coming from, like you said, it's mm. a great hobby. Yeah. It's a, something to do as a, as a personal interest. Mm. So, um, yeah. I need to answer that question. I don't know how to. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that, that I think it, it loops back nicely to who is your audience. Yeah. So, you know, you're like, where is my first dollar from uh, coming from? Okay, well, let me think about this. Who's my audience? Yes. Who's going to buy this from me? Yeah. So I think that's, that's, I think that's, that's kind of, you know, if there was a pie, those are the four pieces, the four quarters that, that really make up that, um, that pie. Um, now, since we're on the topic of fundamentals, our very special guest today, as you would already know from what we've uh, been discussing, is a master of protecting some of the most fundamental and valuable things that we own. I like that. I like, I'm going to use that. That's great. <laughs> um, so today, it is my very special pleasure to introduce Jeremy Dart from DB Bookbinders. Hi, guys. <laughs> Again, how are you going? You could, you couldn't. For for those listening to the podcast, you couldn't see it, but he waved. That's why I said hi after as soon as I waved <laughs> to realise that I was like, um, people are seeing me and people are also hearing me. So, hello. <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast for the first time, we do live stream uh, the recording of this podcast uh, on the uh, BSDA Facebook page as well. So, uh, if you're uh, if you if you missed uh, that wave, if you really want to see that that profound wave of Jeremy's jump in and, and take a look at that yes you'll see it on, you'll see it live all recorded so this is a, a question that I've asked of my last couple of guests uh, it's a relatively new question but um, I've had uh, some great feedback around um, people really enjoying the answers to this so we'll dive right in and tell us what your, fir- your very first job was and maybe what you learned from it do you mind if I take my sunglasses the sun's not at all bit, yeah that's a bit better um my very first job, <laughs> my very first job was, oh, way back. I was actually um, helping uh, the local milk bar. I used to mop their floors and stack their fridge um, mm-hmm. with the drinks. It was around the corner from home, and I think I, and I used to clean the, you know, the the, uh, the display shelf where the hot food is. Mm-hmm. It always used to get marked, so I had to clean all of that. Uh, I only did it. Oh no, I did it five days a week. That's right. I think I paid five dollars. So it was, uh, it was a pretty good deal. Um, <laughs> I asked for a pay rise and he said no, so I left. Um, but that was, the, that was the very first job that I had. Yeah. Mm. And what do you think you learned from that when you look back on it now? I Probably the most important thing I learned was that I need to make sure I'm, I value my time. Yeah. Um, it, it, like at the time, I wouldn't have thought that. But when I look yeah. back at now, I think, you know, um, I was working, it was probably more than $5. It might have been 10 or $15. But, it, mm. but there was... A lot of work involved, and the and the guy who was running the shop was pretty, you know, a relatively hard taskmaster. He wasn't abusive or anything, but it's just mm. you know he wanted his uh, pound of flesh, and 
Um, and so by trying to negotiate and say, look, I think I'm worth more, uh, he rejected that flatly and I, and I sort of, I might not have left straight away, but I, I certainly did sort of figure that I could probably get something better. Mm. I was only, I might have been 14 or something at the time, it wasn't that old. Um, but I do recall now that that's helped me to go, you know what, my time is worth something. And mm. um, while there's some times that I've needed to, with other jobs and other positions, ha- had to um, take a bit of a hit, you know, for, for whatever reason or, or, mm. or not, not quite uh, value myself as much, it's constantly reminding me that, you know, my time is, is what I provide yes. and my time is what I'm selling. And so I need to value it and therefore other people... Um, you know, need to need to understand that, and and mm-hmm. we'll value it as well. And what made you want to work for yourself? Well, that's a uh, an interesting story. I've spent a lot of time. I'm actually trained as a chef. Um, I've actually a degree qualified as a as a chef slash um, hospitality worker. I guess I don't know how a degree fits into hospitality. <laughs> Most people who work in hospitality are doing other degrees, engineering or something. But mm-hmm. I I completed a full degree um, in so- applied science. Um, which was supposed to be kind of you get into be an executive chef or a food and beverage manager or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I went naturally after that, I went into um, hospitality. I worked in kitchens. I really, really enjoyed cooking and I worked in kitchens and, and uh, as a chef. Then I, then I found that there was more money in business development. So I worked for a contract caterer, worked in some of their kitchens, and then there was an opportunity to become a, a business development manager. So there's far more money and commissions and all sorts of things than working, you know, 12 hours a day over a stove. Mm-hmm. Um, I only did institutional catering. I wasn't sort of restaurant sort of work. I'm no Jamie Oliver or, um, you know, master chef or anything like that, but it was, it was institutional catering, very systems oriented. Um, and I worked in sales and, and sort of complementary industries of the food, food industry for some time. And, and I worked in really large companies and I found that I, I was getting, uh, I'd come up with an idea, you know, like I worked in a packaging company and I said, we could sell XYZ package and we could sell it like this and there could be all sorts of different opportunities. And at the end of the day, I'd, I'd sit down with the sales manager or the business owner and say, I think this is a great idea. And they say, you know what? No. And when questioned, they go, well, because it's my business and I just don't want to do it. Really, there, there, was, there was profitable opportunities. There was, there was a little bit of cost and there was a little bit of investment, but you know, it, it could be seen that it would work. Um, but they said, look, we just don't, that's not what we want to do. So I, I, I constantly had that coming up against me when I was working for multiple different um, multinationals. Um, and uh, my dad had always been a bookbinding. Uh, he'd, he'd run his own business and so, I just felt that there was, if, there, if I was going to do something, then I wanted to control my destiny in a little way. Um, mm. You know, control, make the decisions and live and die by those decisions mm. rather than have someone say no because I don't want to. Um, uh, it doesn't necessarily equate to more dollars, although that's, that's always the goal. Um, but I wanted to have that freedom and I wanted yeah. to also be able to maintain my lifestyle the way I wanted to. And if I choose to close down the business to go to a conference, as I did yesterday, mm. then I do. Um, mm. uh, and and if, but if I want to work on weekends, then I'll work on weekends. If I want to open or close or do whatever, I can do those things. Yep. Um, so that was really the driver. Mm. Um, and, and to be honest with you, as much as it's much, much harder to work for yourself than to work for someone else, it's, there's much more stress, uh, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, um, yeah that's, that's very true. I think every I would say, I would argue that probably every guest that we've had on the show would would feel that way as well. Yeah, yeah. And what excites you about DB Bookbinders? Well, that's um, that's a bit of a roller coaster. Um, 
what what excites me, and I guess it always has, is that I, I'm I'm knowingly going into an industry that is from from everyone else's perspective almost um, is a dead industry or a dying industry. Everyone considers books to be dead, um, but it excites me that we can constantly find new opportunities. And and we um, you know there's a lot of in the print trade they talk a lot about. Um, dying you know like um the, the industry dying and a lot of um uh, consolidation and people being bought out and people going broke and um and a lot of stuff coming out of china and all sorts of different, different things like that but what i've found is that we are busier than ever um, we're not a big organization we don't have a lot of staff um and it doesn't take much for us to be busy but we are constantly getting inquiries about stuff that's made that, that people want made mm. um and even when we think it's going to get quiet the phone rings and there's not just one or two jobs but five or ten fifteen different jobs and people are always looking for something like what we do um we're we're convinced now that the industry that our particular business our industry will never die mm. um it's just about <clears throat> i guess diversifying and, and and making changes to accommodate that um mm. I, I guess that's from a business perspective that's exciting um what is even more so uh and as you mentioned earlier in the fundamentals the questions that the big thing for me and the thing I get really, really passionate about, and I get more and more passionate as I go along, is that we have a, a, a unique opportunity to um, assist people in continuing their legacy and continuing their story. Um, with the digital age rolling on, people say, oh, you know, books are dead and, and Google's digitised every book and all that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But we find that more and more people want to preserve their history. Mm -hmm. I mean, you look at the genealogy, uh, genealogical um, uh, industry, the, the ancestry.com and all that, that's just growing. There's so many people yeah. that want to do that. And, and to be able to present that information, um, you can't look at a screen and do that. You can, but it doesn't, it doesn't say the same thing. Yeah. I, I'm really passionate about the fact that books are a multi-sensory experience. You know, yeah. we, we encapsulate, we have, it's an experience where people can put their content in. We can't necessarily control all the content, they put whatever mm -hmm. they like in it, but we create that package around it that gives them that total experience, yeah. and I, I love it. Whether it's a Dungeons and Dragons book that we did recently, yeah. or a, a wine journal we sent to someone um, who wanted to gift it to someone else, uh, or there's a woman, um, a, a, an elderly lady that's that's come in every single week for the last six weeks, and she's written these, she's created these books that are called Dear Mother, and they're they're letters from her, um, from her from her to her mum, or, or vice versa, over three different years, and mm -hmm. she's she's got one set done, then she comes to do the next set, and the next set, and she's only done three sets, but she's now she's shown them to people, she's getting multiple copies for it. Mm -hmm. It's great business for us, but it's also what an experience to go. I'm actually helping her present this, that mm -hmm. then she can then articulate that to her family and pass that on. Um, yeah. So you know that that's what I, I get really really passionate about is that people can go next door and buy a, an old book. Um, or sorry, buy a new book, or they can get the one that their grandfather or great grandfather owned and has a little signature in it, and they can we can restore that and bring it back to its original, so that not only is it a book, but it's a book that their great grandfather or their ancestors actually held and used. Yeah. Um, and being part of that, it's a privilege. It really is. Mm, very true. It's um, it's funny actually the the story that you were telling about the the lady and and sort of her. Um, capturing her stories it reminded me a lot while you were talking then about um, a Casey Neistat video I watched the other day where he was talking about having recently lost his grandmother mm. and one of the things that um, she insisted 
uh, at the time of passing was no, that there was there was no funeral, that there was simply in, instead a, a gathering of everybody in the family at this one place that they always sort of you know considered part of their their home or their heritage yeah. and um, everybody that was there um, they were able to listen to uh, her son read uh, excerpts from a diary that she'd written in every day of her life since she was before she was married yeah and so you know she would she would write in there about you know uh, uh, you know today it was so poor you know we were we, you know we had su such little food that um, the kids ate and um, you know she would say her husband's name you know he he ate but I went without today mm. and then the next day you know it would say you know well you know we didn't have enough for, for either of us to eat today but the kids did so that was what you know what matters and just you know the stories that um that that tells and the, that people are able to share and it being something so intimate as like a personal diary or journal yep. um that's handwritten is is something very very different to, to sitting on a, a tablet or a, or a laptop and, yeah. and, and just reading it so i think you yeah i have to tell you this one story if i've mm. got time there and this really drove it home for me for me, um, this um, woman brought an old, a little old Bible, a little old woman brought a little old Bible for us to restore, mm -hmm. and uh, it wasn't anything special. It was just a little bit small, and it was, you know, um, but it needed to have a, a cover replaced or repaired or something like that. Um, and we repaired it and called her up, said it was ready to come. She came down. And she said, "Oh," she, and she was quite emotional about it. This amazing, and she told us a story. She said, um, "This was my mother's, and uh, it's always been. It's needed to be restored." She said, "But." We emigrated from um, from London about the time that, or she did, maybe she wasn't alive at the time, but I'm not sure. Um, she said at the time that London was bombed in the mm -hmm. Second World War? Second anyway, in the war. Um, and her house was destroyed. Their, their, their family home was destroyed. And the only thing that was left was this Bible. The neighbour had gone in after the bombing and, and grabbed the Bible and, and got it to their mother. So we've taken care of this book as we normally would and then realised that we've actually preserved a piece of this woman's history. It's just... Not just her history, that's, that's probably a significant part of history in, in general. Yeah, yeah. yeah anyway, right. I just I, I just remember it's, that. Like yeah, it's, no, it's, it's powerful it's stuff. Yeah. So how did you learn the skills um, required to have such a successful career? The successful career. Um, I love that. Thanks so much. Um, I, I, my career as a bookbinder, it's a, a very straightforward process. You know, spend enough time doing what you're doing, and you get. I'm, I wouldn't say that I'm an expert. There are far more people in the world that are far more expert at bookbinding, at the at the hand skill of hand binding. Um, uh, but for me, I look at the business. Um, I, when I first came on board, it was it was because of my experience with systems in kitchens, and I I I, I like the idea of being able to create a business and move it forward, like to, to yep. develop a business forward. Um, so they're the they're the skills that I've I've learned in an overall sense um, from the bookbinding perspective. Certainly, we did some training with restorations. Um, I did a, I, I actually did a short course many many years ago. I, I should preempt to that with saying my dad's been a bookbinder, a trade bookbinder, running machinery. Um, for as long as I've been alive, mm -hmm. but this hand binding that we do now, and Dad works with me with that as well, um, is very different from that particular business. It was mm -hmm. it was eleven thousand square foot factory, big machines that ran all day, like you know the newspaper machines mm -hmm. you'd see. It's sort of like that. Yep. Um, so 
I was around it, but not around this sort of stuff. But yep. um, the opportunity to be uh, to, to be involved with DB um, and to, to run it um, was really systems driven and then realizing I needed to learn it and then I can train it and then I can grow it. Um, so it was just a commitment to understanding what those skills are, understanding that there's a system and it's not, um, so for the higher end artistic, really, really high end work that we don't do, um, there's a different game, you know, and yeah. it's, it's very, very passionate about the one book. Um, we're a little bit uh, down from that, but still having the same amount of skill to create a, a really, really, really nice, nice book. And, um, you know, I call it bespoke, but it's, you know, mm. um, just really being passionate about ensuring that the customer, the customer's expectations are well and truly met, um, understanding what they need and then be able to deliver that and knowing what our capability is and where, where we, we don't, we, we can't service, you know, we can't, yep. can't over promise. Um, that's pretty much been, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that answers the question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you've obviously, you know, given your, you know, your, your varied background, you've worked alongside uh, others and you've worked, you've spent time working alone as well. What's the difference, do you think, between going it alone versus working with others? I think working in a team has, uh, I think both have, have advantages and disadvantages. I think that the big difference is um, working in a team where you've got like-minded people uh, is crucial to be able to um, to feed off one another and to, to move forward. I think working alone has, um, working alone when you're, um, when your skill levels are different is really important. Um, working together when your skill levels are different is kind of hard because you you know, um, when they're significantly different. Mm -hmm. But when you're working as a team for a collective goal, then, then it's always good. Um, I personally um, am not a big, big fan of working on my own. Mm -hmm. um, I guess you can probably tell it from my personality. Um, I love being around people. So mm -hmm. um, I, I enjoy the fact that when we have people come in um, to learn, I, it's a little bit frustrating to try and drag them up to our level because we have standards and we need to make sure that they always fit. And we've had mm -hmm. people come on that have been fantastic and people that haven't kind of made the cut because they're just not that, they don't fit within our model of what we need to achieve. Yeah. Um, so I think, uh, I think each of them have their places like working alone and working, working as a team. Um, it really does, it really is determined by what the end goal is. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, as, as a hands-on skill-based business with DB Bookbinders, I need to make sure that my, the quality of the product that I'm doing is to the standard that we know is gonna be acceptable. Um, working as a team where you've got a production run, which still needs to have a standard, but there's multiple jobs and multiple tasks. Uh, that's where that fits in there. Mm. And what do you think up until now has been the, the single greatest challenge that you've faced? And how did you overcome it? Uh, the single greatest challenge that I've faced. In the context of DB Bookbinders, um, I, um, to give you a bit of history, my father um, bought this business as a bolt-on and had a manager running it for some 15 years. Mm -hmm. uh, then the manager decided he was going to move on. Mm -hmm. um, and that's when I stepped in and said, look, I want to, you know, because um, dad was semi-retired and, um, and I, I thought, you know what, I can give this a shot. The challenge was that the staff moved so quickly away and so we had standards we need to provide and there weren't any systems. Mm -hmm. in, in book binding, uh, it's very much a folky kind of uh, old school kind of approach. Mm -hmm. So um, all of the information is in here mm -hmm. and it's passed on verbally and 
uh, and then people just upskill by that. Um, yep. Having having procedures and policies that are written down and, and standardised, while they are standardised, it's it, there's a, a lot of subjectivity to it, yep. um, and it's it's a craft. Uh, mm-hmm. So, um, th- so the biggest challenge was trying to maintain the the business structure as it as it was and, and the business customer base um, while trying to move it forward and, try, and trying to get out of that. So we, uh, Dad and I, spent um, many, many, many nights till midnight or one o'clock in the morning trying to skill and trying to get the work done because we had sheer volumes of work mm-hmm. that were still there um, and it was just continuing to come. So, um, and, and to maintain the standard that we needed to, to ensure the customers were always happy. Um, the overcoming it was just just the hard grind. And I, and I have to say, I've heard so many people talk about it. You just, you know, head down, bum up, and you just keep going until it's done. And I thought, oh, you know, that's, but it's true, you know, because mm-hmm. I look back now, that was seven, eight, 10, uh, seven, eight years ago. Um, I never thought, I could never see the end of the tunnel. I could never see the light. And now it's, it's, the business is totally different. Mm-hmm. There's been some changes, sure. There's not as much work in that particular field, but um, in that particular slice of the industry we get, but the quality, the way we do work is much more standardised and we, we know with the confidence in terms of being able to produce what we produce is just, mm-hmm. it's a secondary, it's a, a second, uh, second nature. Second? Yeah. Second nature. Yeah. Um, second nature, yeah. Um, <laughs> so that's, that was the biggest challenge I've overcome, it's just, just sheer hard work. Um, I've got a, a thing up on my wall that um, I think Winston Churchill said it, when you're going through hell, you just keep walking. And that's, uh, while it wasn't, I wouldn't call it hell, although it might have felt like time, um, we just kept walking and, and you get to the end of it. Um, yeah, and it's a different story on the other side, so. Yeah, and I think often you don't, um, you don't even necessarily recognise when you're through that either. Like it just feels, at some point you sort of stop and take a breath and kind of look around and you think, oh, right, oh, I, we're I here now. Occasionally I pinch myself and go, I can't even almost remember those days when you go, we we spent hours like it was. I'd get home. At, I remember when we started to when we started to see it, it work a little bit better. We go, we're leaving here at nine o'clock tonight. Mm. You know, it's not midnight. It's not tomorrow. Yep. It's you know, um, and and now I don't even know what that's like. I mean, it's occasional that I'd work that late mm-hmm. um, if I've got if if I've made choices about doing other things. But just have that consistently. The work comes in, and you've got to get it done by a certain day. Otherwise, it it's just it's foreign um but it but at the time you don't realize that you're at the end and then you look back and go yeah they're they're well and truly over i i don't know myself yeah and if you had to do it all over again would you do things the same way or would you would you change things or i think the the way that i in terms of stepping into the business like that i don't think i had much choice and i don't think i could have uh i could change that i would mm-hmm. The, the thing that I've, I've realised even just recently is this week is that um, we do have to have procedures that are documented because I can't find people that are skilled bookbinders anymore. Mm-hmm. I can, I, I'm really excited about potentially speaking into that um, yeah. in the future, but for now I need to have something so standardised that, um, that I can bring anyone in and that we can get the standard approach. Mm-hmm. So that's what I would do, a procedures process to make sure that, not that it's idiot proof, but that it, kind of is um, because you can because all of the basic elements we can put together mm-hmm. um, and, and add the, the customised and the personalised process on top of that mm-hmm. um, having people be able to walk in really really quickly and still maintain the, the level of, of, uh, of standard that we know that um, our customers expect that's what I'd probably do uh, mm-hmm. I, I started that and then we 
got complacent. We found someone who was really great, and and then and all of that. All of a sudden, we went back to the verbal communication, and it was a skilling of that particular person. That person held that. Mm-hmm. That person leaves, and then we've suddenly that skill's gone out the door. So yeah. we don't have to. We have some of it, but we you know. So that's what I'd probably um, I would do differently. Is is really. Um, make sure that that's the first priority. A little bit like a franchise, you know, like you've got a franchise, they've got a, a procedures manual. Yep. Um, that's the first thing that you actually get. Um, all of the decoration and all the other stuff is secondary to that, but it's got to be mm-hmm. um, documented as procedures. Yeah, and I think if you if you kind of, if you haven't taken the time to to document the, the processes that you follow or the systems that you use, um, this is probably a good, a nice little reminder right now to to do that as well because i think as you've heard through uh, jeremy's story that there's certainly a lot of challenges around trying to make sure that you're uh, across everything and as you bring new people into the business and they you know you might bring in some superstars and you feel like wow you know i don't really need to have this documented because they're just so good they pick things up quickly exactly um but it's when perhaps you don't get somebody that's an eight or a nine and instead you end up with somebody that's maybe a six or a seven and they need to, you know, work a little bit harder to be as good as that last person that was, a, you know, an eight or a nine. Um, I think it's only then that you realise that you really need to have things that are documented and by that stage, it's too late. It's, you know, you, you're now trying to teach this new person everything they need to learn and you don't really have time to document all of those procedures mm. because you're already sort of moving backwards um, in the amount of work you can get done yep. because you're spending time training somebody instead of working on the things that you need doing. So Yeah, yeah, yeah I have to say that I've, when I found that I need to train someone else, it's quicker for me, quicker and easier and, and more quality assurance for me to do it myself and then it takes me off my focus and so I can't yep. move the business forward. So. Um, by having that at the beginning, that's that's probably it's not a regret, but it's something that um, didn't think it applied to my business. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but it does; it applies in every. It doesn't matter how simple the process is; um, you've got to have it so that it's um, so that it's duplicatable uh, in business. And what do you think the best advice you've been given is? The best advice I've been given throughout this could be you know either recently or throughout your whole career you know the bet like it's, it's a bit of a catch cry but i always use it and i'm still working out how to apply it in different situations but um someone once said to me if you sell to the masses you eat with the kings and this is completely different from what we were just talking about mm. but um that's that piece of advice can be applied and, and extrapolated and and unraveled for anything that you do um that's where the most value is um, because if you sell to the kings, then you get eat with the masses because there's just not as many kings. Um, so um, I try and apply that. It doesn't necessarily apply to everybody, but mm. I try and apply that um, in the context of whatever I do. Um, if I'm making it palatable for the, for the majority of people, mm. then there's the most value that I can, I can extract the most value from that or I can, I can be um, rewarded the most from that. Yeah. Uh, that would that would be the, the the first thing that comes to mind. I'm sure there's plenty of plenty of information. I, I said I was at a conference yesterday, and, and there were some really really powerful um, little tidbits that I that I sort of picked up. You know about um, one of these. The, one of the guys is talking about um, massive 
and uh, immediate action. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's something that I know personally I, I lack. As, a, we, as Australians, and as you're saying this, as Australians, we can be a bit procrastinating, um, bit, bit mediocrity, a bit of medi- mediocrity or mediocre, uh, laid back. Um, but mm-hmm. having having the, the 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 drive to to make that really immediate uh, and and massive action um, can result in good results. The other thing mm-hmm. that was that I've I've sort of always held to, and I realised that. Um, they mentioned it yesterday as well. Um, the keep trying, keep doing things. Yeah, you know, um, for sure. My binder is full of different projects and ideas that I've come <laughs> up with, and you know, um, yeah. So keep keep trying something, and don't be afraid to fail. Yeah, um, that's that's a really great advice. Don't be afraid to fail. Hmm. And what do you think the best advice you can give our listeners is? Uh, I would say that that's probably what I finished on is what I'd say is don't don't be afraid to fail just keep trying and um, and keep just do something you yeah. know um, procrastination and uh, and sort of being and not backing yourself I think is the biggest challenge um, because we all have innate ability um, and uh, there's a there's another proverb of saying that a rolling stone gathers no moss um, and I think that's really true. You can't, or, or you can't turn and navigate a rolling stone. If you're mm. a, 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 stay, a, a not rolling stone, so mm. you know it's you've got to move it to be able to. You've got to have some momentum to be able to direct it. Yeah, um, that's right. You know, the, the slower your motorbike goes, the harder it is to keep on track. You yeah, know? Um, absolutely. So that's what I would sort of. I would sort of really, really encourage. Um, I mean, I get passionate about systems and business, and not everyone's like that, but. Um, you know, if you have an idea, don't wait, you know, um, mm-hmm. it's, it's later than you think and you, mm-hmm. you need to go and do it now. Um, and what's, that's the other thing that came out like yesterday, Australia is the best place to do this mm-hmm. because you will be okay. We have an amazing safety net yeah. and I didn't even realize that. I thought, hang on, you know, I have a family that I need to provide for. I have a mortgage. I have all these sort of things, mm-hmm. but I'm going to be okay. Yeah. I, we have free medical but free, you know, we've got a Medicare system. We've got, uh, a, a, and sometimes to our detriment, we've got this welfare system. But mm. if we're given absolutely everything that we've got, what's the worst that can happen? Mm. You know, um, and that, that really excites me. So that's what I'd suggest: is just don't, don't hold back. Give everything you've got. If we, if if everyone did that, then this world would be a different place. Yeah. You know. Um, so yeah. And I think the the challenge with with getting on with it sometimes is that. We listen, you know, we go to our friends and we say, I've got this idea, and they say, that's a great idea, you should do it. And then we start doing it and we maybe stop spending as much time with them or we don't answer the phone as often or we're slow to reply to texts. And suddenly, we, you know, our, our friendship or our loyalty or, um, you know, our interest in, in just, you know, spending time together starts getting questioned mm. and and then that leads into you know oh you know why are you doing that oh you know you don't know whether somebody's going to buy it or not and you're like hang on a minute like you're the same person that like only like you know maybe weeks months ago said to me that I should really be giving this a go and some of the hardest and we talk about this in every podcast I think some of the hardest um the hardest challenge that I think most people will face when they start their own business is underestimating um, how negative everybody is around you. Mm. Um, that that weight of you know parents or family or friends 
um, having the expectation that now you have your own business, you can come and go as you like, you can take holidays whenever you feel like it. You know, why are you, why are you going on the weekend? You work for yourself. Why are you there until midnight? You work for yourself. Yeah. Like, you can come and go as you like. People just, they just have no concept of the fact that um, when you have uh, your own business, you are every cog in, in the system. You are every part of that until such time as you bring somebody in to, you know, maybe, um, you know, cover a weakness that you have in the business or you bring somebody in to complement what you do or you bring in somebody that's got more knowledge in a certain area or better skills or whatever the case may be. Yeah. Um, until such time as that happens, you're, you're responsible for everything. And to a degree, even when that happens, you're still responsible yeah. for everything. Yeah. It's just that now you're also responsible for this extra person too. Yes, yes. And making sure they get paid and making sure there's enough work so that not only they get paid, but they get paid on time and that you get enough money to be able to, like you say, pay for the mortgage or whatever the case may be. Mm. So I do think that um, it's great advice to give which is, you know, um, whatever you're thinking about, just do it. Don't wait around. Don't, you know, procrastinate. Don't waste time. Um, get on with it and do it. And don't listen to anybody that says you, yeah. you can't do it. Surround yourself with positive people. And if they're not positive, then they, they can't, you know, if they're, if they're not speaking the language that you need to boost, because we all need motivation. And so yes. if they're not doing that, then you have to limit that. There, there, are, there are sacrifices. What are you prepared to endure to get to the result that you want? Yes. Um, and so um, it's, it, look, it's not, I don't think small business um, or starting a business um, or running a business is, is for the faint-hearted at all. Mm. Um, I think the rewards are fantastic. I think there, there is a cost. And there's, a, there's you know, you've got, to be, you've got to be prepared for that. It's much, much easier to go and get a job. Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah, you can just turn up at nine o'clock and go home at six, and yep. and never ever think about what's going on in the office when you're not there. Yeah, it's a lot easier to do that. Yeah. And um, I just don't think I'm cut out for that anymore. No, I don't think so either. I, I, I if I had to, I might at a pinch, but I'm I um I spoke to someone. He said, you know, like the alternative is going for a job. I'm like, I don't want to do that. I just, yeah. I've got to shut the back door. I've got to make this work no matter what. Yeah. Um, and that's, that's the thing. I, I can't wait and I can't, I can't procrastinate because it needs to be, um, uh, it needs to work. Yeah. So that's yeah. right. So thinking back to the first time you actively seeked out your first clients, let's talk about DB, for example. Yeah. What did you do to drum up interest? How did you, you know, draw attention to you know the business? It's going back a way. I I, I guess from my business development um, experience, I recognised I've always seen this. It's just this innate feeling that um, we traditionally you can expect people are just going to come through the door. People know who you are. They know where to find you. They're going to mm-hmm. come. Uh, I don't. I don't subscribe to that. I've never ever subscribed to that, and I'm, it always concerns me that we would have that mentality. So, I, I've the first thing that I remember doing, um, in a big way, was taking out an ex, a, a exhibition stand or going halves with someone in a hospitality um, expo. Um, so, I, I was really to, to pr- promote the menu covers. Mm-hmm. I figured, you know what? If I'm going to find the people that are going to make decisions about buying menu covers or replacing their menu covers for restaurants, for example, then I'm going to have to be in front of them. 
So um, what I did was I manned the stand for three days and collected all the leads. I didn't sell anything on the day and I didn't expect to because they're all custom made. But I had a book full of leads and then I got on the road and I went to every single place that I'd spoken to and we got, we, we, um, got, the, got the deal. So it was really getting in front of people. That was what I, um, the, the thing. And, and while things have changed and, and it's a good reminder for me even saying that, that that's what I need to do, mm-hmm. um, that's, that's what makes the difference because people won't find you. Um, they don't, yeah. you know, the, <laughs> I, I, I always lament, I talk to a lot of people about restorations. I don't know who's got a broken book. I have no idea. But I'm racking my brains to figure if someone has a broken book, where are they going to gather? Who is it going to be? Well, who are your customers? And so how can I get in front of them? Because the, the times that they find me, yeah, they, they come and they end up looking for us. But how many more people don't know where to look? Yeah. Uh, and so um, it's really about constantly trying to find how do I get in front of those people. And that's, that's the first experience that I had. And are you, and, um, and I guess the other question to go with that is that once you know where they are, what are you doing to be in front of them? You know, like, uh, obviously, you're not the only bookbinder. So, well, what are you? <laughs> so, what, you know, how are you going to stand out? You know, how are you going to be... What's our um, point of difference? What's your point of difference? Or how do they know about you? Yeah. You know, if, if I go to, to Facebook and, you know, I've got a, um, you know, like a, a book that I wanted to get restored or I've got, you know, my mum piecing together as a genealogist i've got her piecing together like my family history going back to like the 1600s i think right now um at some point it would be great to put that into a book and and preserve that forever i know a guy exactly right (laughs) but if i don't know you exist then it doesn't matter that you're in business no exactly so going to the places where people are and and talking to them about what you do whether that's like you said at a an expo or, or a conference and speaking face-to-face with them or whether that's, um, you know, being in the conversation on Google or Facebook or yeah. LinkedIn or email or whatever the case may be, wherever you can introduce yourself and be part of that conversation, I think it's important to be there. I, I think on um, something you've touched on, and, and I don't know whether I mentioned it, but I think there's a multi-tiered strategy because yep. I think... There's, um, certainly for us, where, you know, I'll be honest, most of our restorations are done by, by the older generation. Most mm-hmm. people, uh, there's some who, who are, um, uh, you know, children of people who have passed away and they want to get their mum's recipe book redone. Mm-hmm. But the majority of them are, I've written this history and I want to pass it on or I've got this Bible that I want to pass it on. Um, there's a, there's a, certainly a connection with the senior, um, senior age demographic. Uh, and so sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes... The online presence doesn't actually reach them. Um, the same with with thesis. Um, you know, mm. we do a lot of thesis work. Sometimes the students aren't actually on Facebook. Sometimes they're not on Google. So, understanding that they, um, uh, you know, that they there's multi, there's more than one way to communicate, and Absolutely. there's more than one way to communicate with them. So we have yeah. an approach that's like we need to be in front of them physically, and we need to be in front of them online. I, if we yeah. didn't have an online presence, most of our um, most of our work wouldn't come through because that is the majority way of people finding it. Yep. But there is a section of the community that I need to physically be present and I need to knock on their doors or I need to, to be somehow communicating with them in person. And, and it speaks back to our actual product because it's not an online product. It's, mm. it's, it's a very tangible product. So 
so it's a, there's a connection between me physically being present and me physically holding your book and you know all that sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. um, but having a understanding that there are there's multiple ways of actually communicating and you know being present and and, and helping people find you, I think is really important. Um, and and once they're they're kind of in or you know you've had that first conversation with them or they've they've given you their uh, you know their their book to restore whatever the case may be, how do you make clients feel welcome after that first contact after the first contact of them inquiring or actually yeah. uh, so what what we do um if i was to use a um uh well i guess generally um whether it's a whether it's a restoration or a new book or a, um, a set of books or something like that usually it's it's via email and via phone so we're mm-hmm. where um where it's important to articulate a lot of information i always use email and i always make sure that we've got a trail a paper trail so that we we understand because things can change people can change their minds about certain things and so having an email or a process to go well you said this and then we said that and then so this is the end result um but i also find it's really important to be able to communicate with them on on the phone mm-hmm. putting a face to the name we surprisingly we get a lot of people not as many as we used to but we get a lot of people still wanting to come in mm-hmm. they want to have a look at the books they want to touch the books they want to talk mm-hmm. and and i think while they never ever say it i think it's i want to make sure you're real and i want to make sure you actually mm-hmm. say what i think you're going to say and you're going to know what i'm talking about yeah and so and you're not just sending it off to well exactly. to get done or something yeah yeah um i um uh, I, I really, it's really, really interesting and really insight for people to come in. And I had a woman who ordered a number of theses, really quite expensive. And she, she had to come, she couldn't, it works during the week. So she had to come in on a Saturday, which I'm having it open for, especially for a larger order. But she just wanted to touch the books yeah. and she placed the order. And, you know, we have an online ordering system for thesis, but we fill it, we can fill it out there on the spot. Mm. Um, it doesn't take them very long to understand what we do and how we do it because, what we say on an email is exactly what we say in or what I say in person. So, yeah. um, but, but I think it's, it's really important to have, uh, those both levels of communication. Having said that, sometimes we only ever communicated on email because it's a very straightforward process and they, it's, um, they place the order, they're happy to receive it. That's mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. And how do services like, uh, social media like Facebook and LinkedIn and Instagram and those kind of things, do, do they assist with the, the growth and awareness of DB Bookbinders? Yeah, I think so. Um, I, I come from a, a school of thought. I guess the family um, thought that, that it doesn't, mm-hmm. but um, first-hand experience working with yourself, doing some little other work without, before I met you, I saw the results. Yeah. And I could see that um, there's quite clearly, and, and the more I hear about it, you know, there's going to be two billion more people on Facebook into by 2019. That's mm. the prediction. Um, so, that's a huge number of people, and so it, it stands to reason that people are making those decisions. I know when I'm talking to them, they've already made a decision about our business. Mm. When by the time they speak to us, or by the time we send an email, so um, all of those social media um, platforms, yeah, that the word, um, all of those are actually crucial and. While we haven't covered every single one of them, we have a presence of sorts on everyone, um, and it, uh, it it makes a massive difference. Um, mm. I think it also helps to make uh, that connection with the younger generation because the older one knows the book, a bit about bookbinding, but the younger ones um, they don't necessarily associate it with it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, these days, thesis, the thesis market is, is dried up, essentially. The universities used to require it, and that was where our business was built. They used to require that students were presented um, two or four copies as part of their graduation. Now, every university that I know of, there might be a couple of departments that are different, have virtually eradicated that. They've said no, and it's probably due to funding and other mm-hmm. issues. Um, but uh, by and large, we are getting um, oh, about, about half the amount of... Um, thesis volume of the revenue from thesis that we used to. Mm-hmm. Um, but none of it is driven by a requirement. It's driven by uh, a non-discretionary spend. Mm-hmm. So that predominantly comes down to like they know that they want it and they know where to find us. Yep. You know, so, so those sorts of things, our website's on every book that we've ever done. So they look up our website. Mm-hmm. Um, they communicate with their friends, obviously word of mouth. And the presence that we have on the online, most people are saying now, um, I haven't told you this yet, but most people when they fill out their order form, it says, how did you find out about us? Mm-hmm. Um, it's a 50-50 split or maybe it's 60-40. I Googled thesis binding. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're coming up. Now, as you said, we're not the only book binder. Mm-hmm. We're not the only one that does thesis binding, but... They're, they're coming to us because they've Googled that. So yeah. uh, really powerful. Um, LinkedIn is something that I'm looking forward to exploring because I think there's a, there's another market, another product that would speak into that, uh, use that platform for. So Yeah, and I think you, we've spoken about that in the past as well, about, um, you know, the I guess the, the field or the, the, the part of your business that is around tenders. Yes. And preparing tenders for, for businesses as Tenders well. and sales presentations, yeah, absolutely. Um, we have had some people come to us from time to time, and there's, there's a huge, huge market opportunity there for that. So, yeah. Um, and what were some of the, what were some advertising or marketing that you did um, that perhaps wasn't as successful as you'd hoped? <laughs> I can tell you. I know exactly what those oh, are. Oh, let's, let's go. Yeah. And what did you learn from it? So I... Um, I got, as everyone does, you know, the print shop or print something or other, we'll do this flyer dropout for you, you know, this price for 10,000 dropouts. And I thought, fantastic, I'm going to sell 100,000 journals for Christmas two years ago. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I think I, five, six, seven, whatever $100 was in the, in the local area around me, mm-hmm. I'm going to drop 10,000 flyers. Mm-hmm. I didn't get a single response. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was that, which is like, uh, surely someone is going to see that and go, yeah, I want it. No. The other one that I did many, many years ago, we did a, a local magazine. We put, it, In fact, we've done it a t- couple of times. We thought, maybe we can get into the wedding industry. Mm. You know, we can do wedding guest books. And, yep. and so we took out this 12-month package for a, um, a really, really, really nice-looking um, magazine that, that is operating down the Mornington Peninsula. Mm-hmm. Um, Well-known, and it, you know, nothing wrong with the magazine at all. Uh, we put in there, we can do wedding invitations, we can do guest books. Sign up now or, you know, call us now for your free um, wedding planner book. We're going to make a little flirt. Not a single response. Mm. Um, Print advertising has its place. Um, Not for us. Um, I I am considering doing some with the senior market, um, once Mm. again, for book restorations. Um, But uh, those those two particular uh, 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 decisions to make to to go and do advertising, it didn't fire. Um, Mm. Uh, and yet I've heard people, I know an electrician who does um, drop, uh, mm. letterbox drops and that is his number one, um, you know, uh, return or the number one uh, successful, most successful marketing process. Yeah. So it really is horses for courses. Um, I think some of that as well is um, it does depend on the type of work that you do. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Looking at an electrician, you know, we, 
it doesn't matter who you are, inevitably you will always need an electrician. Yes. And so I think um, for that reason, people are, are really good about taking the phone number or taking the, the, the flyer and just putting it on the fridge and being like, one day I'll need that. Yeah. Um, you know, because you always need it. Or, you know, maybe the last one wasn't as great or they overcharged or they were late or something like that. And so um, for that reason, you, you might want to keep a new one around. Um, especially if they say, you know, things like they're local or, you yeah. know, they live on the peninsula, that kind of thing. Those those things are important to local people and local businesses. So everyone has electricity. That's everyone. right. That's you right. Know, well, most most people have electricity. We're starting to, you know, slowly, slowly people are coming off the grid. Yes, yes, true. It'd be interesting to see. It would be interesting to see what, what happens there too. But still, they have, power, they have um, light switches and, you know, like they have, they yes. still, whether they're generating Absolutely. themselves... Um, the process to get the electricity from outside into their house For is sure. really where electricians come into. So, yeah. um, compared we still to need powerpoints, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, compared to, does everyone have a book that needs to be repaired? And if they don't have it now, how long is it going to be till they need it? If they've yes. got one that needs to be repaired, it could be ten years. Yes, it's a it's a totally different. And I wouldn't have thought that. I thought that you know, like even a new book or a journal. I mean, yeah, I, I've had arguments. You can go to Kmart and buy a two dollar journal. Um, mm-hmm. And you and I have spoken about this. But the fact is, can, yeah, but it's not the same thing. Not the same thing. And every yeah. single tech guy that I know has an A5 journal with an elastic strap on it and uses it for notes. Yeah, where's yours, Brett? Um, oh, it's actually on my desk. Um, yeah. So you know, there's a market for that, and you put your name on it. There's a whole lot of, but but once again, it's a different conversation to hey, buy a journal. You know, yeah. it's a, it's a totally different conversation. So. Um, uh, not not all advertising works, and even some of the some of the Google yeah. and Facebook stuff that we've done has not even resulted in anything. Yeah, um, and I think um, there's a. Uh, I wish I could remember which which. Uh, Big Sean, uh, there's a, a rapper. His name's Big Sean. Big Sean, and he's uh, he's got a great line in one of his songs where he th- where he says everything's not for everybody mm. and i think that's that's so true especially when it comes to advertising and yeah. marketing that not everything is for is for every business not everything will work and that's why it's so important to to know your audience well and, that's what i was going to say is who yeah. are you selling to who, yeah. who is your audience and what what is your product and what do you sell yeah because those three things answer that advertising question yeah um and then on the flip side what was something uh, you know in advertising and marketing that you've done that's been really great that, that achieved a result maybe better than you thought that it would? Um, yeah, so one of the challenges with marketing and advertising that you and I speak about all the time is conversions in the advertising world doesn't necessarily mean conversions in the sales. <laughs> um, because, sure. uh, and there's, there's always, in our, in our industry, I think, like I said about the Kmart or the, you know, the $2 shop diary or journal that you can buy, um, doesn't, isn't the same as the product we get, but that's very hard to, for a consumer to see that. Um, so what I've found, so I'll talk about um, in advertising what's been successful for people to actually contact us yep. um, because it does change depending on what we're, we're selling. But um, we ran a campaign, um, I, I mentioned it earlier, we, we made a wine journal. It was a really long process to make this wine journal. The, the customer wanted a very specific print on each page. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted it to be hand-sewn, open flat, uh, needed to be a leather with a closure. Uh, he had a sample of something he found online. Uh, needed to be, as I said, genuine leather um, with with uh, personalisation on the front and the back and logos and all sorts of different things. And it was a long, it's an ongoing process because while we don't do the artwork inside that we can we can arrange the artwork inside the front uh, inside the pages. Most of it is our preference is to have it come to us already ready mm-hmm. to print. 
Uh, we arrange the printing, we, we make the cover, and it's all made custom. Um, we um, so so we finished the book, and it was presented to someone who was going. It was an ambassador for a wine, a wine tour or a vineyard that was mm-hmm. over in France. Uh, and so he presented to it. We had to get to Queensland by a certain day. Mm-hmm. He presented it to her, and um, and as a result of that, he took a photo. And and you know where I'm going with this. Mm. We took a photo and went uh, and and sent it to us. And and I, as you know, I, I rang you and said, "Look what's happened." Mm. Um, and and so we used that as a camp as a bit of a campaign. Now mm. the results that we got from that sort of blew it out of the water. And even now, that was a couple of months ago. Now mm. we've done similar things um, on Instagram and Facebook, um, and none of them have come close. The closest one that, that I've had in terms of that response, uh, you know, number of likes or number of responses has been um, one of my daughter when we went to the footy. Mm-hmm. That's the second, second best one. Mm-hmm. And all the other books that I've done, all of the other individual sort of mm-hmm. things. And as you know, and you said it to me, and I heard this uh, at a conference recently and I've, I've thought about it myself, the story is what sells. Mm-hmm. The story is what gets people in. And so for us, the experience, um, it's, we're selling an experience rather than a product. So us be, having people see the book next to the, the, the recipient of that book as a gift has sparked a response. And, and from that, we had a couple of inquiries for more wine journals. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just about to do that again with another, another little video, an unboxing. And, mm-hmm. um, and I think, I believe that for our restorations, that's going to be another really, really powerful, uh, powerful thing. So, yeah. yeah. And I think that's, um, and I think what you've, you've touched on there in both examples we talked about them being the most successful posts you've had, it is not a coincidence that both of those things are behind the scenes. Mm. It's it like I talk about this like I I don't know when people will will understand. At some point they will understand, <laughs> and it will be too late. But if you are not showing people, I, I talk about this thing that I call the Wizard of Oz effect, yeah. which is when you allow people to see behind the curtain and what really happens, what real life is like, how things are made what goes into them, the response of um, being presented with a, a, you know, such a, a wonderful gift like that wine journal. If you're not sharing those experiences with your customers, you are missing out. Mm-hmm. 100% you're missing out opportunities. Yeah. And I, I even I didn't believe that when you told me that until I saw that post. And I was like, this is amazing. It's, it just changes everything. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's really... Um, it's a really powerful story, and it's absolutely true. I would agree hundred yep. percent. I want as much as I. Um, every anyone goes onto our website and go, looks at the thesis page, they'll see the video of me with my long sideburns, mm. um, and I don't like that video because it, I feel vulnerable. But the fact of the Perfect. matter is, that is what people want to see because it it's not. We're not talking about a mass-produced product that's coming out of China or no. coming out of a, a, a factory. It's. It's a bindery where it's there's a bit of mess here and there's a bit of that there and we, we show a couple of things the way we do stuff and it, what I found is people are fascinated to see that yep. stuff. They exactly. really are. It's not it's not a coincidence that the Kardashians have had so many seasons mm. on TV. Even if it's not real, people love the idea of seeing behind the scenes yeah. or what at least they they are perceived or what, what is perceived to be behind the scenes. Yeah. And the Kardashians TV show is a great example of that. That mm. you know, obviously Kim was on a different kind of TV show, uh, a one-time screening uh, TV <laughs> show many many years ago that, that kind of brought her to fame. But yeah. I think 
what she's been able to do as, as a businesswoman, not just her, but her, her mum, Chris, as well. I think what they've been able to do um, uh, in, in building a business and an empire, essentially, now in allowing people to see behind the scenes of their family and, you know, photos of them at photo shoots or, you know, at private family functions yep. or all these things that most celebrities don't typically do. Um, they'll show you videos of them like popping bottles in the club and, you know, um, throwing hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars on scantily clad women in venues because that's what, like, the the culture of, you know, hip-hop or whatever is. Mm, mm. But that's not what really resonates with people. That's not no. what endears you to, to people. What yeah. What does that is the story behind where you got the money to do that or you know what it what it took it was the it's like dj khaled showing videos of him in the studio mixing an album or creating you know the next single or on the phone with justin bieber talking about how they're going to make their next song and that kind of thing like that's what people are, are really really interested in so i think those are the things that matter more than sometimes the uh the finished product mm. almost mm. so What's been the most valuable free tool that you've used either to promote or create for DB bookbinders? Promote or create. And we've had all kinds of answers to this question. You know, everything what? from my own mouth to, you know, <laughs> Canva or, you know, uh, having a, a going to conferences or, you know, everybody's got a different thing that they really see as the, the one free thing that that kind of triumphs over everything else for them so you want to know what the, the free tool that i've used to not to run it could, so it could be it could be to run deep but typically it's to either promote or create promote or create yeah ah because the first thing that comes to mind is is um the g suite for some reason, yep. Google a Google accounts or Google, you know, I, that that's been really powerful. But that's really behind the scenes. It hasn't really. Um, I mean, I, I, you know, I use it for all sorts of different things. That and that's free. I managed to somehow get it free. Yeah, um, it's been that forever. But in terms of promoting or creating um, with DB, I think that the probably the most powerful one's probably being. Um, an online tour would be like Facebook or something like that um, initially. Although I haven't necessarily, yeah. See that you, I don't know. It's a really, it's a really tough question. The, the best free tool, um, yeah. I don't know. I think Google's I a great answer. Yeah, I think I think pro, I, I, um, everything that I've, I mean, we use a little bit of um, the Adobe Suite and stuff like that, but we pay for that. So mm. um, in terms of creation, I think that I think G. Uh, the Google Suite would would be the one, um, you know. Not it's not through the ads. Obviously, ads are paid, but uh, but every single I, I love the fact that I can use it for free and I can share it. And I and I have you know we use it for every aspect of anyone who wants us to print something and bind it. We will send them. That will create a folder. Mm -hmm. So in, in terms of being able to connect with customers and make it really, I had one person who I'm doing some books for them at the moment, and she said it was so simple. I sent them a link and they sent the files, and that was it. And there were 30 meg files. Mm -hmm. So um, they really appreciate that. A lot of the thesis students wouldn't um, necessarily attribute that to an ease because it just it's automatically embedded into the order form. Yeah. But um, but those sort of simplistic approaches it adds to the customer experience. 
of being able to do it really, really simple. So, yeah, um, it's probably not something that you've heard before, but it's certainly for us, it's been a, no, a big thing. Um, I think it's great. Uh, I use Google, like the suite of tools that Google offers for free. I use them every day. Yeah. Um, and I think that the value that they they give small business especially is huge. It's really undervalued. Like there's no reason if you're if you're at a situation now where your renewal for Microsoft suite of products is coming up, uh, or you're thinking about buying, you know, uh, Office or you know, you, I think it's like a hundred and sixty five dollars or something like that a year now. Mm. Um, if if you're thinking about doing that, I would ditch that idea really quickly and just jump into Google because there's there's very little um, in that suite of, of tools that Google offers you for free that uh, that Office has anything else. Yeah. 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 I have to do I do have to say just recently we've had a, a website change and we've added the Drift um, Drift app. Yep. Um, so it's something that's it's um, we're working with and, and working on how we integrate it properly. But I have to say the response we've had, like we've we've seen more people respond on you know connect with us on Drift, and a little face comes up and says, "How can I help you?" Um, compared to filling out an on, uh, online order form, yeah. there's an expectation that we'll respond quickly, and that's something that we're working on. Mm-hmm. But um, certainly, the way that people are connecting, it just mm-hmm. says to me that there's that there's a much more demand than even I thought was there. Yeah. So so that it, it's been a powerful insight to us. Um, gives us a little bit of. Uh, an understanding of, of where customers are at, mm. which we didn't. I mean, who would think seriously? Who would think that people are online, and you know they they somehow find us obviously through an ad or something else. You know, mm. I, I'm saying somehow like we're sitting there unbeknownst making a book, and suddenly someone goes, "Hey, I'm looking for a third wedding anniversary present for my wife," and she's si- he's sitting there right now expecting a response, and you go, "And book bonding's dead," <laughs> you know? That's right. Um, so no, so I think that it's was... all about how you adopt what's around you. Exactly. Right? So I think you're doing a great job of being open to, to new ideas like um, the Drift Live messaging and, um, and you know, all the other advertising that, that we work on together as well. And I think mm. that's just, uh, you know, a sign of you recognising that um, people are still there and people are still looking for what you want. It's just that people aren't in the places necessarily that they used to be. And so as long as we know where those people are, which we, you know, 15 million Australians are on Facebook, so we know where they are, um, that, um, you know, we, we just need to reach those people and talk yep. to those people and, um, and reintroduce them to the idea of, of books and, and um, you know, the incredible work that you do. So what's the next big thing for you? Well, I mentioned it a little earlier. I'm really, really pleased. I don't know whether it, uh, it's stuck or not. One of the things that I've been toying with a lot is um, uh, people are fascinated, like you said, they're fascinated when, when you pull back the curtain. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it goes a little bit, a little step further. Some people are just, oh, wow, that's amazing how you make a book. I've heard time and time again, wow, that would be so cool to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I have a belief, it, it comes from two different things. You know, we, we can scale DB bookbinders only so far. Yep. Um, unless we streamline the approach and have standardised practices uh, and procedures, but we also have interested people. But they need to have a level of... It's not... It's it's a little bit like me going doing Facebook ads compared to you doing Facebook ads. <laughs> you know, you have a, a depth that I will never have. Um, or me doing a bit of graphic design, getting um, an illustrator and learning over 15 hours how to do a little page and I can give it to uh, a graphic designer and they'll do it in 30 seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there's there's a there's an element of skill that's required. You know, making a book is one thing. Mm. Learning and wanting to perhaps pursue bookbinding maybe as a business or something else is something else is is another step altogether. So what I want to do is explore the opportunity of um, expanding the industry. There's I have a fundamental belief that bookbinding. I believe that it's there's there's opportunities there. It's not massive. It's not going to be the biggest thing since Apple or anything. But there's the bigger an industry gets, the more people are aware of it, and the more work that comes from that. Um, traditionally, bookbinders have been, oh, I'm not going to share my secrets because then you'll compete against me. And I think that there's a real opportunity to say. What if you saw behind the curtain, it's something that you were interested in, then we were able to provide some level of training and potentially look at um, creating opportunities for people to do bookbinding, not with us, but um, as, a, as a, you know, a little side business for themselves. Yep. So I really love to, and it's a pipe dream and it's, it's got a lot of um, work to go on it, but what if we could create something like that? Mm-hmm. And you effectively, you, you reinvigorate the elements of the, the industry and and continue pr- to promote the value of books and the value of bookbinding. Mm. That's what, something that I'd like to see um, uh, happen, and I've, I've sort of made some sort of steps to talk about that. I did an adult apprenticeship in bookbinding, so I'm mm-hmm. I, I'm actually a qualified bookbinder. Mm. Um, it's not worth the paper it's written on, but you know, <laughs> um, um, but it was real insight to see what industry is expecting. Every yep. bookbind, every print finisher or bookbinding in the trade needs to know how to bind a book. And there aren't that many book binderies that are prepared to allow people to to, to do that. So mm-hmm. there's those opportunities that um, it's as much about uh, attracting the work as it is about perhaps training up other people. Um, it helps us. It helps all the industry if we have more people that that um, are actually confident enough to go. Yeah, I can make a book for you. I can make a. I can repair a book or, or um, put together a family history. Um, and uh, and then there's the possibility of providing them. You know, leads and all sorts of things. So you know, yeah, that's that's, that's a it's a it's a big picture thing, but I no, think no, it's that's... it's closer than I think. Um, I, I think I think it's it, it could be done quite quickly and efficiently. Just need to do a little bit more research, but I think uh, yeah, opportunities. Mm. So if you'd like to learn more about DB Bookbinders, uh, head to dbbookbinders.com.au. And uh, you can have a look at all the, the terrific products uh, that they have available online. And uh, as Jeremy said before, you know, if you're a university student or you, you previously achieved, uh, uh, you, you completed a thesis, then there's an opportunity there where you can um, create a, a hardbound thesis uh, online that you can keep forever, yep. give to family members. What else would they do with them? The use them as doorstops. No, um, <laughs> don't use them as doorstops. Uh, I uh, I know that they give them to their lecturers or their mm-hmm. examiners. Yep. Um, they uh, often students will also issue them as part of their resume, depending on the level of um, yep. of uh, you know qualification they're going for or something like that. But uh, um, we can we can create. Um, Te, uh, I think they're called testament holders mm-hmm. and and boxes to, con- to that would contain your say your certificate and your um, your thesis. Oh, yeah. uh, a whole lot mm-hmm. of different things. They they're really I think it's really really um, it's epitomised by people saying I want it to be on the shelf. I know what's mm-hmm. in it and I'm not going to probably read it again. But it's there. It's hard. I can show people and they can flick through it. It's an mm-hmm. experience. Um, so it really is about solidifying the work that you've done rather than seeing it on a screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if, uh, obviously, if you'd like to know more about that, head to dbbookbinders.com.au. And as always, I want to close the show today with a, a quote about advertising and marketing. And today's is, 
We have always said that advertising is just the icing on the cake. It is not the cake. And that's all about making sure that you're selling the steak nice. rather than the sizzle. Yeah. And I think that's, that's really important. So you've been listening to the Paperclip podcast presented by BSDA. We have one clear goal, help you to become bigger. If you'd like to learn more about growing your business, head to bsda.com.au. Thanks very much for being here today, Jeremy. Thank you. Thank you all very much. Until next time, keep growing.